Braves and baseball fans, it's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Left side, Swanson to first. Braves and baseball talk, straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello and welcome into From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, live from the Kia Studios. It is a wonderful time of year because as much as I love doing call-ins, getting the show back on the air is just all part of that rite of passage that is spring training. and We get geared up for another season of Braves and Major League Baseball, and you know I'm excited about that. Over the course of the next month leading up to opening day, I've got four spring training specials coming your way. On this episode of From the Diamond, you're going to hear from multiple Atlanta Braves about that World Series or bust mantra that they came to camp with. It's not exactly breaking news that that's where they'd be setting their sights in 2024, but the focus of setting this goal and the work it's going to take to get there, they're committing to that from day one, and you're going to hear from several members of the team on why it's so important to put that goal out there. You're also going to hear my conversation with Braves manager Brian Snitker. I sat down with him on my trip down to Northport after the first full squad workout to get his thoughts on how exactly this team has come together with the moves from over the winter, his early impressions of camp, and how exactly he is looking at that World Series or bust mindset that his team has come to camp with. And we're also going to take a look around Major League Baseball for one of the biggest stories of spring training. And unfortunately, it's not a very fun one, because if you've taken one look at the uniform changes that Nike has made, nobody seems to be very happy with how things are looking in the early going. And that's a real shame when we've waited all winter to see players back on the field and doing baseball-type things. But we're going to get into this discourse with Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic. He'll join me in just a little bit here on From the Diamond. Before we get started, I want to let you know that in addition to those four spring training specials I have coming your way, the show will kick off in its two-hour format on Sundays from 5 to 7 p.m. on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. That gives you the opportunity to listen to the show live. And, of course, you can subscribe to From the Diamond wherever you get your podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app. And if I'm talking about the Braves on any platform whatsoever, you'll find it at fromthediamond.com. So be sure to check that out. All right, with all of that plugging out of the way, it's time to get into the meat and potatoes of today's show because I just got back from Northport where I spent a week down at Braves Spring Training getting familiar with a team that we all know very well, but some new pieces, some new faces around that clubhouse, and the goal that they're setting for 2024 is all too familiar. It's World Series or bust, and that's a quote. It was day one, pitchers and catchers on February 14th, walking into the Braves clubhouse, the very first man we talked to, reliever A.J. Minter. He's been around. You're going to hear from him on one of my spring training specials as well. I had a long conversation with AJ, but in his opening comments of spring training, he made it very clear what everybody is thinking in the clubhouse when it comes to motivation and goals and expectations for 2024. There's only one thing for this team to do that's going to be satisfactory. Man, just looking back, we just obviously, you know, we were the best team in baseball. And for us to go out like that in the first round and, um, it's just we have we hold ourselves to a high standard here, and we're obviously looking to get back to the World Series and you know play for another title. And like I said, we hold ourselves to a different standard than most organizations, and that's what separates us. And 
Um, I think we need to get everyone focused coming to spring training. Like, hey, this is you know World Series or bust. Now, AJ's not the first man to say World Series or bust or put that mentality out there. Spencer Strider talked about it a lot at Braves Fan Fest. And when it comes to setting that mindset, I don't know that there's anybody better in the Braves clubhouse than Spencer Strider. I'll let him explain. You know, having clear goals, having clear outline goals, um, you know, I, sh- I don't think we should be afraid to say we want to win a World Series. You know, there's kind of this aura around it that it's something that's out of your control, and you know, all outcomes are out of your control. But um, you know, we want to leave everything out there to guarantee us the best opportunity, the best chance. You know, when the season's over, regardless of how we finish, I want to be able to say that myself and the rest of us, we, we did everything we could at that time to try and secure the outcome we want. As you gathered around the lockers, player after player, the question just naturally came up. Hey, so-and-so said it's World Series or bust. What do you think? Where do you weigh in on that mentality? And Strider was happy to hear that A.J. Minter was setting that expectation early. That's the confidence that I like. I mean, that's great. I think that's like a starting point of verbalizing our goals right there. You know, that's really what every team's trying to do, I think. You know, there are different talent levels and kind of statuses of, of each team, of course, with 30 teams in the league. But we're not going to shy away from what we're trying to do here. I mean, we want to achieve the absolute best possible outcome. By now, you've already read the headlines. You've read the stories. You know this World Series or bust mantra is there. And the why behind that goal is pretty simple. The last two Octobers did not go the way that the Braves envisioned them going after winning 101 and 104 games, respectively. First baseman Matt Olson talked about the unfinished business that has them motivated as spring training began. Listen, I mean, it's we all got a sour taste in our mouth from the last two years. It's you know we've had great regular seasons and we've lost in the first round that we played, and we're not going to be happy about it. I think everybody in here is looking at us holding a you know World Series trophy and in their minds, and that's how you have to go and compete. You know, not saying that's. It's as easy as uh, just thinking about it and it happening because uh, a lot of it is is uh, who's the hot team at the right time. But all we can do is continue to do our everyday thing. Like I said, it's we're gonna go play regular season. Hopefully, be in a spot where we win the division and and have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. And but like I said, it's very sour taste when you lose in the playoffs and especially with the kind of club that we have here. So everybody's uh, got their mind on on the right thing. There are still several players on this club, though the number does go down a little bit each year that were part of the 2021 World Series champions. On the mound in Game 6 when the Braves won it all, left-hander Max Fried had the start of his life, so he's no stranger to the kind of moments that it takes to win a title. Hearing that early buzz around the clubhouse of World Series or bust, well, you can count Max Fried among those who share that line of thought. I've heard it the last couple of days, and it's the same true for me. We're here to go out there and get to the World Series and win it. You know, we, we had a really good year last year, and we've made additions to get better. And I think it just shows that everyone, from player-wise to front office, that we feel like we want to get better and can get better. And I think the only way to get better from what we did last year was to actually go and get farther in the playoffs and win it. So I know we have a lot of really determined guys here that are ready to get going and really goal-oriented. Now, A.J. Minter and Max Fried, both guys we've already heard from, they were products of Atlanta's rebuild. They debuted in 2017, the same year that Atlanta second baseman Ozzie Albies got his first taste of the big leagues. That means, by some very simple math, those three men have been part of the six-year run of success Atlanta finds itself in right now. While all of them can appreciate what they've accomplished and, of course, the World Series title of 2021, they're not just going to be satisfied by simply planting one flag. They would like more, as Ozzy Albies explained. Um, you know, World Series is a special thing. You know, we accomplished that before, but 
think one is not enough. We want to do it again. After winning the National League East in 2018, the Braves got some serious reinforcements in that campaign. Ronald Acuna Jr. came up and won the National League Rookie of the Year award. Well, now he's the reigning National League MVP, having won it unanimously this past year. In his first media availability, Acuna said that no, he's not happy with the way that he performed in the playoffs last year and is setting his sights on the opportunity to do even more this October as the Braves look to win the World Series. And you know he wants to be part of it, having to sit on the sidelines when the Braves won it all three years ago. A year after Acuna exploded onto the scene, it was a fiery debut for Atlanta third baseman Austin Riley, who hit home runs left, right, and center over those first few weeks and then found himself struggling to really establish himself as a major leaguer. Now, Riley went on to have a breakout season as the Braves won the World Series in 2021. That was the product of hard work, and that's exactly what Riley sees from this entire team as they set their sights on another World Series. I definitely feel there's a different vibe as far as like just a chip on the shoulder. Guys are going, you know, immediately going to work. We've had a ton of guys already here, early position players. So, you know, that's a great sign. Now, hard work and talent is something that there's a lot to go around in that Braves clubhouse, and Austin Riley perhaps typifies that work ethic as much or more than anybody given what he's been able to accomplish and what he's been able to overcome. The Braves, as a team, are looking to overcome disappointments in October. And while you can't control exactly how the postseason is going to play out, you can control your preparation, and Riley sees a lot of value in that. I think there's definitely an, an edge of guys, you know, going to work, you know, preparing. I'm here for it. You know, the, the mentality of, of going into the season is, you know, of course, winning a World Series. You know, we got to stay healthy, got to, you know, take care of business throughout the, the regular season. But, um, you know, I think that's definitely the goal. So there you hear it from quite a few different Atlanta Braves players. This World Series robust mentality, it's not a surprise. I mean, as you look at it from the outside and Braves fans that I've talked to, and of course, when you do the amount of winning that the Braves have done, including winning it all, there's going to be an expectation every single year that you come in and do it again. Now, how difficult is it to win back-to-back -back World Series? Well, it hasn't happened since the late 90s, early 2000s, when that Yankees dynasty was in its heyday. Now, we have seen teams win multiple World Series within a few years of one another, whether it was the Red Sox in 04 and 07, or perhaps the best example, about a decade or so ago, when the San Francisco Giants won the World Series three times in five years under Bruce Bochy. But it is hard to repeat, not that the Braves are having to worry about that right now, because their most recent title is now a couple of years ago. But with this group that has been assembled, and all the long-term extensions that will keep the core of this club together for years to come and at least the rest of this decade, there's that expectation that they do something with all of that talent and with all of the winning that they're doing in the regular season, turning that into titles. Now, I would caution against folks that look back at the 1990s Braves and view that as some kind of failure because they weren't able to come away with multiple titles. As we've learned in October, nothing is a given. To me, that kind of all-or-nothing thinking is counterproductive. Would I have loved the Braves to have won the World Series in 1991, a year and a World Series that I still regard as the best that I've seen in my lifetime? And yes, I know they lost, and I know they won in 95 and again in 2021. There was just something special about that particular season and several others throughout that run in the 1990s. Now, winning 14 straight division titles, going to the World Series five times, only winning it once, I guess you could categorize that as a disappointment if you would like to, but when you consider where the Braves came from and how long it took them to get a consistent winner on the field, you can kind of understand why some folks, including myself, and I know I grew up on this team, looked at it as a golden era of Braves baseball. The crazy thing is that this club, I think, is more talented across the board than any of those teams from that 1990s run or that run of 14 straight division titles. 
And sure, there may be some recency bias that creeps into that, but I watched the Braves of 2023 do things offensively that no Braves team had ever done before. That, highlighted by seasons like Ron Lacuna Jr.'s MVP campaign, what Matt Olson did to set a single-season home run record for the club, and so many other outstanding offensive performances, and the fact that they have this group together for a while, it makes you feel good about the trajectory of this club, and it makes the expectations that they have for themselves, let alone what the fan base would love to see, both understandable and unavoidable. Now, Alex Anthopoulos also spoke to the media that first week of spring training, he, of course, is a man who's been an architect of a lot of this success. Yes, he inherited a club that had a really great farm system, but adding those pieces and taking this club to the next level, that's something Anthopoulos has done extremely well during his tenure as the president of baseball operations and GM of this club. Over the offseason, Chris Sale and Jared Kelnick highlighted the Braves' big moves, with several relievers also brought in to strengthen the Atlanta bullpen. So between the team that the Braves were returning and the new talent brought in, it's hard to find too many identifiable holes on this club. So in that regard, Anthopoulos has done his job thus far and will sit back and try to find ways to supplement it even further. When he was asked about the expectation of his team in that World Series or bust mantra of the first week of spring training, Anthopoulos saw that as nothing but a good thing as they get 2024 started. Whatever these guys want to use as fuel, right? Like, you know, there was a Phil Jackson quote I came in, I sent it to Snit, was basically that speeches don't motivate players, motivated players make great teams. And that just tells me these guys are really driven, they're really motivated. And, I, you know, it made me think about our roster. You know, we have a lot of really motivated guys, and it's, you know, coming from a guy like Phil Jackson who's won that much, it landed with me, and I really started thinking about our team and our roster. So when I see comments like that, however these guys want to view it, um, whatever they use as fuel is great. I mean, I'm much more just in the moment today. You know, we have to get through spring healthy, got to try to win the division, all that kind of stuff. So the one year I looked ahead was after the, you know, 2020 game seven loss in the CS. I started thinking playoffs and what it would take to win in the postseason. And it cost us. I thought I did a bad job in the offseason and uh, basically scrambled in 21. And obviously we were able to pull it off. But you know, it's something that I, I learned from, you know, that I'm just, I'm never going to get ahead of myself. That's Alex Anthopoulos, the president of baseball operations and GM of the Braves. You'll hear my full interview with Alex on next week's spring training special. To go ahead and put that on your calendar right now. It's next Friday night, March 1st, 10 p.m. here on 92.9 The Game. And of course, you'll be able to hear it wherever you get your podcast. When we come back, we're going to take a look not only at something that's going on in Braves camp, but a strange phenomenon happening across baseball. And it has been quite the talking point over the first week or 10 days of spring training. Of course, I'm talking about Major League Baseball's uniform changes under Nike. What in the world has gone on with this process, and how did it get so bad? I'm going to talk to Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic. as from the Diamond with Grant McCauley rolls on right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I love baseball. Now back to more Grant McCauley and From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back to From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, as we continue with our first of four spring training specials. We're taking a look at all the things happening across Braves camp and uh, Major League Baseball as we can work it in as well. And one thing that we've been talking maybe too much about is what Nike has done to change the look and feel of the on-field uniforms for all 30 teams. Folks don't seem to be too excited about this. To help us take a look under the hood and maybe find out what exactly the problem is, I've got Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic joining me right here right now. And uh, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but the early reviews for these things, well, they ain't great. No, they really aren't. And it's 
stranger because it feels like every day we're discovering something new that players are disliking about the uniforms. I don't know how much of this is a chalk up to just people don't like change and ball players are people. Um, but when you when you see sure. what you saw, you know, a bunch of pictures, the Tigers put out a video showing all the guys in their white uniforms, and mm. boy, you could see through those pants pretty easily. Yeah. And so yeah, it just it's not a good look. It's unclear like how much input players had in all this and these design decision. They don't like the fit, they don't like the quality. Also, it's not everybody, right? We, you know, if someone says everyone hates these, then that may just be the three guys he talked to that morning. But I have not seen a change in baseball in my time covering it that has been met with this a change in like you know apparel or uniform yeah. that's but met with this much universal disapproval. The, the, as I'm talking to Nike and fanatics and doing all these all these attempts to, mm-hmm. I guess, get confirmation and figure out like you know what answers can we provide the reader. Um, you know, I keep getting pointed to the the players saying nice things about it, and you look at them; they're all Nike guys, and so I have right. to like have I have to have some level of skepticism. You know, Grant, it's like I can't just roll out the Adley Rutschman quote and not like say that he's a sponsored athlete by Nike. So, I think generally the players don't actually hate the feel of them. Yeah, I can understand that, but it's not just about the feel though. There are some problems with exactly how these uniforms are being presented to the players and what they can and can't do with them that they may have been able to do in the past. Biggest complaint as far as feel goes is they can't customize things anymore. You can't customize pants, yeah. um, which is a big thing for guys. Like You're wearing this thing every single day, and so you want it to feel really good wherever you like it, whether that's specifying, you know, of course, the waist you'll get, that one measured normally and, mm-hmm. and the length, but uh, some guys like it tighter all the way down the leg. Some guys like it looser, you know, farther down. Some guys like their bicep tight and all that's the sort of thing like you can't customize anymore. The way one player explained it to me was like, like the sleeve or the pant length, you can make it longer, a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, but you can't tighten it at any spots. Yeah. Um, so specific things like that players are pretty frustrated about because I think there's like when you get to the majors, you can call them prima donnas or whatever, but you get to the major, you expect a certain level of um, of quality out of your clothing. And there's questions about whether this feels like a major league product, whether it looks like a major league product and whether you can customize it like you'd prefer. Oh, no doubt. I mean, there's a whole lot of boxes and a lot that we can unpack out of that, no pun intended there. But I guess as I look at it, just in my lifetime, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not aging myself here, I was born in 1980. Sand Wilson, then Rawlings, then Russell Athletic, and then Majestic before Nike took it over because Under Armour's contract did not work out for them. They were unable to meet that contract and Nike was able to, as it has in so many other sports, come in to be that official provider of the on-field uniforms for Major League Baseball. I don't think anybody looked at it and thought, okay, well, this whole change is going to be altogether that shocking because baseball has gone through it a lot. Over the course of the last four decades, as you pointed out, I always come back to this one little phrase. It's stuck with me a lot. People don't like change. They like improvement. And you cannot chalk up what Nike has done to these uniforms, objectively or otherwise, as being an improvement to what's happening on field. And it's not just about the material that the jerseys are made out of, because I know they've been pointing at the All-Star game and saying, oh, the players love the feel of these. But I look at it from a details perspective. You bring up customizing. I know that's a big thing for pitchers. That's something that you can't do. You bring up some of these quality control issues, and that kind of brings me into, I guess, the second part of the fabrication of these. Can you explain or kind of simplify the process for me here? Because Nike, it's their show, but Fanatic seems to be waist-deep in the manufacturing. How does all that work, and, and what do you think of the effects of that is? If I can once again be a skeptic here, it kind of seems like Fanatics has a much lesser role in this. Okay. And yet Nike has sort of allowed Fanatics to take the heat. If you read it, my story on this, the Sam Blum had a story as well on our site. And Fanatics is getting destroyed. And some of it is 
deserved because people have really poor experiences buying mm -hmm. their consumer items, their retail items. But if you consider, you know, what whose job is what here, it is a Nike engineered product and a Nike design being given to fanatics to print. But Nike to this point has not said anything publicly. Uh, Major League Baseball's only statement was Commissioner Rob Manfred at right. uh, Grapefruit League Media Day saying basically Nike is a great company. Look at their track record. And I think players are going to get used to it, which maybe that's true, right? The change versus improvement type of conversation. I think they just think we are improving the product. Players are not used to the thinner feel and they'll get used to it. But yeah, I think there's like enough noise that something needs to change. I'm just not sure what it what it's going to be or when, because we don't have a whole lot of time before spring training is going to conclude and you need to have whatever you're going to wear for the regular season. Chatting with Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic right here on From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. He joins me on the waitfor.com hotline. Yeah, I don't want to lock this all into just what changed about the Atlanta Braves, but as kind of a, a traditionalist of baseball myself, when I looked at these jerseys and I did think, okay, I've got to actually see it more so than just the pictures on the MLB shop website or the Fanatics website, so I can really you know, make an informed judgment on these. And my judgment is they don't look great because some of the details are simply off, whether it's changing the cuff sleeves to elastic, altering the piping on the Braves jerseys, putting the MLB logo below the piping above the numbers. All of the things that I feel like I used to point to and say, I can spot a knockoff jersey when I see one, seem yeah. to be the kind of things that Nike has instituted here. And I, I don't know that that is you know, tantamount to really anything other than my own personal opinion, but Dansby Swanson's a Nike athlete, and the former Brave yeah. shortstop said that he wanted to engage in some talks with the big company about altering the color of the Cubs blue, which, again, we go back to these traditions and details that matter to both teams and to fans, because as you mentioned, some of the pictures that we're seeing are almost laughable, including the pants that are quite see-through, I just don't know where they go from this other than to recognize, and I hope that they do, they need to make some improvements here in order to bring these things up to what you already mentioned. And what I think is kind of where it all lays is this is the major leagues. There's a certain amount of quality that's expected in the on-field product, not just from the talent, but also how they look. And that's certainly what players and coaches think. Coaches have to wear these every day too. And we've heard stories uh, from coaches who they, they put the uniform on the first day of workouts and then went home and found their old pants and have worn them ever since just because they don't they don't like how it feels and they have to wear this every day through October. Yeah. And so I think you're right. There's it's extremely uncertain to me and unclear what can be done to change anything. I was talking to um uni watches Paul Lucas earlier and he said, you know, it might just be that people see this from the front. It doesn't look all that different, although I guess the see through could change that. Mm -hmm. But from the back, there's no question that it's different, right? The numbers are slightly smaller and it seems like more it's just like standardized across teams. The letters are certainly smaller. And I think the argument from the Nike side of things is that because you're having this thinner, more performance fabric, even like the union has said that this kind of makes more sense, that thinner fabric, you need to have smaller numbers. I just guess to carry the, the half to the weight of the, the numbers. It seems like that's the simplest thing to change is like, well, make the numbers bigger again. That looked better, right? Make the letters bigger. That looks cheap the way it is now. But that actually seems like the one that almost the consensus is like, that's the tough one to change because the material itself, which Nike is not going to like toss its new material design. Right. So I don't know that we're actually going to see any correction or change of course, as far as the numbers and letters go. He's Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic. He joins me on From the Diamond with Grant McCauley right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game via the wadeford.com hotline. I know you've been chasing down this story, wrote a great piece, and continue to find out where this is going to evolve because I do think that it's going to evolve. A handful of people I talked to at Braves camp said, yeah, we, we're underwhelmed and we hope that it's you know, going to be improved going forward. But beyond that, not really a lot of conversation. A couple of other people that I had talked to 
not really sources high up in Nike, but people I would say that were familiar with it was that Nike had an idea and that was going to be the way that it was going to go. There was not going to be a lot of negotiation about the stylistic aspects of the jerseys changing. And that kind of went with someone else I talked to last year who said, you can expect some changes because they want to alter the way that things are manufactured and that they were going to look in 2024 to make some serious alterations to how the on-field look. And that kind of dovetails into the fact that they also don't seem to be a big fan of throwbacks because they're limiting teams to two home and two away yeah. and one city connect. And that's another thing that it just feels like there are a few dominoes that have fallen here for Nike. And I don't know that they're necessarily leading them in a direction where I think fans and players are going to be the most excited. Let me just put it that way as diplomatically yeah. as I can. Yeah. And it leads to the broader issue too, which is that we are actually so limited as fans or as people who might like to buy a shirt of your alma mater or your favorite team. Um, you're really limited where you can buy it from. Uh, that's why our fanatics comes up and that's why it's, there's so much consternation around them mm -hmm. is that they are, they have drawn a, essentially a monopoly on, on buying apparel from your favorite teams. And then you have Nike, which is you, you know, generally people I think like the majestic product. Um, but that was bought majestic was bought by fanatics and then Nike swoops in after Under Armour's deal falls through and Nike gets 10 years of baseball. It is up to them to decide what to do. And so, um, you know, did the, did the players union have some say, they got to see them as far as I'm told. Right. Um, and they got to have some input on what are going to be the issues. You have to think that some of this, these things were flagged. Um, but were they actually listened to or they implemented? It doesn't really sound like it. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how much Nike has, um, been willing to be flexible in all this process because there's, these are some pretty substantial changes. I mean, we've talked in the past about mesh coming in here. There were other changes made in the past, you know, like below the belt line in the back, there was like, um, there were some issues I'm talking to, you know, UniWatch and, um, and some other, some other kind of like logo, um, uh, experts in like the uniform field. And they know a whole lot more than me. They're like, listen, everything is met with some criticism. I remember when like the mesh type things were introduced mm -hmm. in spring training, I was like, that just looks so spring training. And then by the regular season, it looks different in part because you don't wear the same top. Yeah. Um, and so some of this will blend in as noise, but I, I don't think this is just a spring training outfit. Um, they are trying on the actual thing they're going to wear in the regular season. And some things as simple as the numbers and letters look, look unmajor league, I think. Yeah. And I don't think that's changing. Yeah. Unmajor league is probably not the way major league baseball wants its uniforms to be described by us or anyone else. But I think that's kind of the universal feeling is that these just don't look like they fit the bill when it comes to a major league quality uniform. I want to wrap up with this. It kind of brings our whole conversation to a head, but this design shift to the uniforms league-wide. It's a template I've heard a lot about. You mentioned with the names and the numbers on the back in particular, but a lot of teams had individual styles and all of them were steeped in tradition. Some of them dating back to what, the 1870s. Details matter perhaps more than they should sometimes in baseball. So Nike doing enforcing a sweeping style change. I just can't simply say it's anything other than a net negative to the game. And it seems to come from Maybe an incredibly misguided decision-making process, though you, me, no one else was sitting in the room when all of this was decided. It felt like looking at a major leaguer's uniform, which we have the opportunity to when we go in the clubhouse and you're up close to it. And then you look at like the replica that's on the shelf for 150 bucks or whatever. And you see like it's a, there's a clear difference between those two. And mm -hmm. what I've been struck with as I look at these uniforms is that they're, they're, they seem like the the line is a little bit more blurred of, yeah. okay, we, we talked about the chain stitching. That's the thing I didn't know about before a week ago. Didn't know the word placket before a week yep. ago, but um, the chain stitching on the Cardinals uniforms, someone else had it. Um, Union Watch was talking about, there's another 
Phillies, I think they're they're um, that they chain stitching on their logo, and you look at the detailing. Oh yeah, that's the type of detail that makes it a major league logo, mm-hmm. major, makes it a major league uniform. Um, and uh, you take that sort of thing away, and and all of a sudden you're like, well, it's uh, it just looks a little bit more. I don't, I wouldn't say this in like a, you know, a headline quote, but it, like it looks a little bit more iron on, sort of. I right? agree. Like a, heat transfer. Um, yeah, heat transfer type of just like flatter look, mm-hmm. less text, less texture. Um, and I'm sure that contributes to a lighter feel and more breathable and all that sort of thing. But I, so far, every you know, almost every player I talk to doesn't prefer this. There are plenty who say like this is fine or it feels pretty comfortable. It's stretchy, um, but I haven't heard anybody like going to bat for this new uniform. And I don't think there's anybody out there that's against the fabric if that's what's going to change. But all of these changes to the overall dynamics of the uniform that's kind of changing the fabric of the game. And that, I think, might just be the big problem here. He's Stephen J. Nesbitt of The Athletic. Make sure you're following him on X. You can find him at Stephen J. Nesbitt. And all his great work is on The Athletic as well. Stephen, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you again soon. You bet. Thanks, Grant. When we come back here on From the Diamond, you'll hear my conversation with Braves manager Brian Snitker from this week down at spring training in Northport where the Braves are hard at work. It comes your way next right here on From the Diamond with Grant McCauley on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back to Graham McCauley for more From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This is From the Diamond on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Grant McCauley with you from the Kia Studios here on a Saturday night as we enjoy the first of our four spring training specials here. Grapefruit League action is underway as of this weekend. I know everybody, myself included, counting down to opening day. Looking forward to that, but... I don't know if I'm quite ready to fast forward through the exhibition games because it is that first taste. And there are a few things that these games are good for. For a lot of teams, it might be trying to figure out how all the pieces fit together. I don't know that that's the case for my next guest on the show, Brian Snitker, because a lot of the pieces were already put in place for the Braves. It was really about finding the right pieces to add to a club that won 104 games a year ago and brings back the majority of that team yet again in 2024. Yes, Alex Anthopoulos added some pieces to the bullpen. Yes, he traded for Chris Sale and Jared Kelnick. Those were kind of the big moves or puzzle pieces that fans were waiting for. You know, adding to that starting rotation, figuring out who play left field. The bullpen's always going to be important, but Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton coming back. I mean, that was a big one right there, I think. And maybe one that, as we talk about on these spring training specials, might fly a little under the radar. But we'll save that for another time. But having that trio of Strider, Freed, and Morton joined by Chris Sale, that all of a sudden took an Atlanta rotation that maybe had a question mark to giving them one that could be among the best in all of baseball. And they've got to figure out that fifth starter. As I mentioned, a lot of other clubs may have some intrigue in camp, a lot of positional battles. Fifth starter is really, I think, the only true competition for the Braves in their camp this year. Bryce Elder, an all-star a year ago, he's back and looking to win that job again. And talking to Bryce, it sounds like he knows exactly what he needs to do. And that's go out there and pitch and earn this opportunity because nothing is going to be given this spring. You look around the camp, around that clubhouse, and you know out on those backfields watching some of these other arms throw, including Reynaldo Lopez, who was a big free agent signing that a lot of folks assumed would just be in the bullpen. He's going to get that opportunity to start. He hasn't done it since 2020 with the White Sox, and on a regular basis, hasn't had a ton of success in the rotation, but you can't question the arm. You can't question the stuff. 
and the Braves want to find out exactly what they have in Lopez. But he's not the only one who's in camp. A.J. Smith-Shaver, the team's top pitching prospect, first-rounder Hurston Waldrop, those are a couple of arms that are getting an awful lot of talk. Ian Anderson is back in camp, though he likely won't rejoin the club until sometime around midseason. And then there's Waskari Noah, who, like Anderson, had Tommy John surgery and is on the road back and trying to win a spot on this brave staff. What will he have to offer in 2024? He'll get a shot in spring training to show the Braves he's healthy and make an impression, and he just might get an opportunity. And based on what we saw in 2023 with the Braves going through, I believe, 30 pitchers and 16 different starters, you may just need each and every one of these guys at some point to come in and help you win some baseball games if things happen to go awry on the injury front, which for every club, you have to know it's going to happen at some point during the season, exactly which player and when it happens and how long they're out. Those are the questions that nobody knows, but teams have to find answers throughout the course of the season, and some of those arms could go a long way towards helping the Braves out. So that's a little insight on some of the things happening in Braves camp, but my next guest, well, nobody knows more about it than he does. He's Brian Snitker, the manager of the Atlanta Braves. I sat down with him after the first full squad workout for Atlanta this past week down in Northport to get his thoughts on where exactly his club is, where they want to go, how they're going to get there, and who exactly could help them accomplish what they want to which, as we know, is win the World Series. Here's my conversation with Brian Snitker. We're here with Braves manager Brian Snitker at spring training in Northport. Always great to get the group back together and get things started. And I'd imagine for you, no matter how many times you do this, you just have to enjoy it. It, it is great. I mean, it's um, you just you look forward to this day. It's exciting. It's always good to get the guys back together. Um, we got you know we couldn't ask for a nicer day and. Um, had a great workout, and so it's just kind of, you know what, we're back at them. So the full squad's here together. We spent a lot of the winter kind of waiting to see what pieces are going to be added to a club that was extremely good last year and obviously has eyes on big things here in 2024. Now that you've gotten to see the Chris Sales and the Jared Kelnicks and some of the pieces in this bullpen as well, what has been your first impressions of the new additions to this group? Really good. I think it's all guys, number one, they've all fit in really well. I think they've all embraced the fact that they're here. Um, I mean, this is a really exciting place to be coming to and playing and I think all of them feel that um, they're all very talented guys and, and I love everything Alex did in the offseason I think it just made a really good team even deeper I tell you, when you look around and see this first full squad workout, the guys that you had in last year's team, those new pieces, a lot of activity in the backfields here as well. I mean, the Braves have created an environment where you can come here and you can get down to work, and a lot of good things can happen as a result of that hard work. When you look at your lineup last year, they did so many great things. Jared Kelnick's kind of the new piece there. How do you like what you've seen thus far from Jared Kelnick now that you don't have to just kind of imagine what he can be? You're starting to get eyes on him. No, that's good. Yeah, and I was anxious to do that. You know, you're here so much, and I'm anxious now. You know, you watch a kid, and it's just batting practice and, and running around. You see, you know, he's very talented. we still got to play the games. I mean, that's uh, my – and I told him today, it's kind of like where we're going to use these 30 games to evaluate and see where we're at and as we put this club together. So I'm anxious. There's a, a bunch of guys that we got in that are new, um, that we have a lot of them today. I got to put a name to a face or a face to a name and and um, so I'm I'm really anxious to get the uh, get the games going just see what these guys got the games and the evaluation always important spots on the roster always important but this has to be a little bit different than some spring trainings you've had here where you don't have quite as many positional battles quite as many questions and quite as many needs as maybe you did five six years ago when this run of success began well I'm you know tell the guys that it's like the less number of, of 
spots you have open is a really good thing. And, and we've been working really hard to, to get it, put ourselves in this position. Um, there, like I say, there's going to be, there's a few, um, a few questions that we want to have answered, which is why we're going to play these games. And, and, um, but overall, we kind of know the gist of our team and, and, um, which is, like I said, is a good thing. So we, when you got a lot of holes, it's, it's, you know, it's hard to fill a bunch of them. So, um, you know, where I love where we're at right now. I say that's why we're all excited to get the games going. Yeah, it's certainly hard not to like where you're at. And talking to guys as we came in, pitchers and catchers reported a lot of players, position players were already here in camp, already getting that hard work in. And there was a phrase that just kind of kept being mentioned and echoing through that clubhouse, and it's World Series or bust. I don't think that's a secret for the Atlanta Braves. It's something that you've accomplished, something you believe that you can accomplish year after year, which is another great feeling, I'm sure, as you come to camp. But as you address the club before full squad workouts, how do you kind of, I don't know if manage the expectations or set the expectations or set the goals as the man who's in charge of this group? Well, I mean, we do have expectations here. We expect to win. and and um, But you know what? you got to play today's game. And, um, you know, it's it's, um, it's it's really good. You, you like guys to, you know, they want to compete they want they're they're dedicated to, to getting that done but you know what you can't lose sight of, of today's game and the task at hand and because um, you get start looking you know at the real big picture there's really nothing you can we can do about a month from today the only thing we can take care of is today so um, if we do that we'll be really in a great spot and um, hopefully you know the biggest thing is getting in the tournament and and giving ourselves a chance to do something special yeah health is a big part of that last year you had to navigate a lot in the pitching staff i believe 13 different starters a handful of openers as well you know dozens of pitchers to come in and out but as you sit here in spring training looking around at the group that's been assembled here this rotation has all the makings of perhaps one of the best in baseball with spencer strider Max Freed, Chris Sale, Charlie Morton, some competition in that fifth spot, and then this revamped bullpen. This is one of the better Braves pitching staffs I can remember. I don't know about you. No, it's good. Yeah, I mean, we've done some, you know, we used all of our depth last year, and I think our day, you know, that depth that got even better this year in the offseason. So I think we used 30 pitchers last year total and 22 position players. And and um, so, you know what, that depth of that organization is taxed, and, and um, which is why I think, you know, that's one of those things that you can't get too many pitchers, obviously. And we have a really, really solid group to, to work from. And that's, I told the guy, we're going to take the best 13, you know, north with us. But as like I said, we used 30 last year. So we'll dip down in there and use a bunch of them before we're done. Looking around the horn on your infield, I mean, you've got Austin Riley, who's a cornerstone player for this club. Across the diamond from him is Matt Olson, another cornerstone, a great double play combo in Ozzie Albies and Orlando Arcia. Then behind the plate, you've got guys that I think are cornerstones and leaders for this club and Sean Murphy and Travis Darneau. Just the guys on the dirt, that's one thing. The outfield, that's a whole other talented thing. It's incredible to see this lineup as you start to imagine what it can be, what it can do, and maybe how you want to, you know, move those pieces around the board, as it were. Yeah, I know. It's 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 strong. It's And we saw, saw that last year, and it's pretty much the same. And, um, you know, you still have to go on. Like I say, yeah, still got to play the games. I mean, we're very talented. I love the our club. I love all these guys are built to play every day. And, and um, but you have to perform. You got to stay healthy healthy like you said and and um but i i really like where we're at and and uh, makeup of our club 
One of the pieces that was missing from a year ago and has missed the last two Octobers is Tyler Matzik. Chatting with him a little bit a few days ago, he, it's no secret, is ready to compete, ready to get back out there, ready to contribute. How big of a difference do you think he can make on an already talented bullpen? Well, we've seen what he can do. I mean, when he's healthy. And um, so just getting him back out there, he's another one that's been, you know, he, he checked all the boxes, went through the rehab process, was dedicated to that. I know it wasn't easy. He was in there cheering his teammates on and rooting in right there with him every day last year. And I know he's excited. I know he feels good. I watched a pin of his yesterday, threw the ball extremely well. But again, you know what? We got to go out and he's got to compete and, and, um, and, and, you know, get guys out. And um, I know he feels good. It's, man, a, a good Tyler Matzik from what he was a couple of years ago could be a huge shot in the arm for us. Your right fielder won the National League MVP last year. He celebrated that by going and playing winter ball in Venezuela and keeping his nose to the grindstone, as it were. He comes out here, looks to be a magnificent shape. I don't know what you do for an encore to a season like that, but I know you guys are excited to find out what exactly that'll be. Well, I, I know, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, he did. He went and played winter ball. The guy likes to play baseball. I mean, he's a baseball player, and, and um, I don't know, he came, let's say, he came early. He's in great shape. He's excited about um, this year. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that loves to be around his teammates, loves to compete, loves to play the game of baseball. And, um, yeah, who knows? I said he's going to set records. I think he might be the only guy that can break them. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch what he does. And, of course, the 2024 Atlanta Braves on the whole. Brian Snitker, appreciate your time. Good luck to the Grapefruit League. And I guess the countdown to opening day is going to start. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, like I say, once you get that first full squad going, it does. It starts it. So I uh, appreciate you having me, Grant. Thanks. Always great to catch up with Braves manager Brian Snitker. Really appreciate his time this week down at Braves camp. And it was a lot of fun to be around this team because you can tell that there is an expectation that has been built on all the winning that this club has done. You just heard it from Brian Snitker. And you pretty much can hear it from anybody who has been a part of this Braves club or has come over and joined this club. Whether it's a free agent, a trade, whatever the case may be, the opportunity to win a World Series, yeah, that's the goal for all 30 clubs. But very few walk into spring training knowing that that goal is attainable. It's something they've done in the past. It's something they're capable of doing again. And as we talked about on this show, that is the expectation for this team. It's World Series or bust. As always, I appreciate you riding along with me here on From the Diamond. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also find it on the Odyssey app. And I want to plug it again, fromthediamond.com, completely updated. It's got all the social links and all the links to every single thing I'm doing, whether it be right here on 92.9 The Game as part of the show, whether it be the podcast, YouTube, or the writing that I do for the Marietta Daily Journal, or those appearances on 11 Alive that you might have heard about. All of those things can be found at fromthediamond.com. It's the one place to get absolutely everything as far as Braves covers that I'm throwing at you. And let me go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be throwing a lot at you here in 2024. Let me let you know what we got on deck right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Moving ahead, as the Braves got their spring training slate started this weekend with some Grapefruit League action against the Rays and the Red Sox. This is just the first of four spring training specials I've got for you. The next one is coming your way on Friday night, March the 1st. We'll be hearing from Braves General Manager Alex Anthopoulos, as well as a host of other Braves players that I had a chance to talk to in my trip down to spring training and that week I spent down in Northport as this club got business underway for the 2024 season. So mark your calendar, March the 1st, 10 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. That is the next edition of From the Diamond, the next spring training special as we count down to opening day, which is just over one month away. That's going to do it for this episode of From the Diamond, right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. I'm Grant McCauley. As always, look forward to catching you next time. And until then, so long, everyone.